coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. Pre-COVID, 100% turnover in the restaurant world was very normal and standard. And we like to pride ourselves that we were better than that. Um, and we were. We were, you know, hovering probably in the, well, maybe 90%, 85% turnover. COVID now, this past year, we we're at 180% in our restaurants. Welcome to The Hive Life where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to this episode of the Hive Live podcast, where our goal is to connect you with subject matter experts within marketing, entrepreneurship, and business. I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim Baer, both co-founders of Spherical Media. This is episode two of our podcast series that specifically looks at talent retention and technology, something that is still a hot button topic, especially when it comes to the restaurant business. And that's where we land with the discussion here today as we welcome in Christine Steiner and know her as Chris. So I'll, I'll use that here today. She's the owner of 25 Guys franchises around North and South Carolina, as well as Tennessee. And Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, good morning. Happy to be here. Morning. Thanks, guys. So Chris, I want to start off and, you know, part of our background is in storytelling journalism, we like to get to the heart of, of your story. And we were talking uh, before we got in here about how you got to the point in 2010 and made the leap to figure out this is what you wanted to do, you and your husband together. Yeah. So kind of a, a well, I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. How about that? <laughs> um, I think the journey was we were looking to do our own business, whatever that was. And we explored all kinds of different things. And we didn't start with restaurants. I mean, we went down the angle of um, gee, anything from Caterpillar parts distribution to gear manufacturing to then we started searching the, the coffee space, restaurants, Jimmy John's, Tim Horton's coffee, and finally um, just ended up just through a gift, found five guys, which we had never heard of before. We were new from Michigan in the North Carolina area and ended up um, meeting a guy who had a store who wanted to sell that store. And we said, sounds like a great idea. So let's flip hamburgers for a living, and here we are. So. That's awesome. And, you know, the Writer's Digest, that's a great reference, by the way. I haven't heard one of those in a while. That's pretty good. Um, so, I mean, the aspect of, you know, working with your husband and, and owning a business together and, and doing all that, I know my wife and I have talked about it, and I'm like, I don't think that can work. How has it worked for you guys, and how, how has that been, that dynamic? Yeah, um, well, we didn't – I started out with the business – on my own, Jeff was working in the in the racing industry, and I so I started uh, with the one store, our Five Guys location in Mooresville, and then um, as we started to grow quickly into the second store, realized I can't do this by myself. What I thought was going to be a, a I'd been home with my kids for 15 years, which was a blessing that I had the opportunity to do that. Not everybody has that gift, but I was itching to get back to work, and so I said, well, let's do this. And I didn't anticipate that it would be quite the amount of time that it was. Um, Restaurants never stop. They're 24-7, and we're open seven days a week, and we're closed two days a year. And I, I quickly learned that, and I needed help. And so when we were opening our second store, which was about five months after we bought our first location, I quickly realized that I couldn't do it by myself. And so Jeff said, I, let, let's do this together, and we've, it's worked out great. But I think we have our, our separation of responsibilities is very clear. Um, so we play in our own sandboxes, so we we can stay friendly. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> what are those sandboxes, just so I know? Yeah, so I oversee daily operations, so I'm more of the COO, and Jeff is the 
Um, he oversees finance uh, and strategic planning and real estate um, locations and, and site ser- selections and that kind of thing. Well, 20 restaurants, uh, that's a lot to have in the portfolio. <laughs> when you started out, and I know you had a Moe's Southwest Grill in there at one point, divested that in 2017. What was the goal initially? Was it to grow or did you want to feel it out and then something just happened and accelerated? You said, let's press the gas pedal. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when you start with one, you say one day, if we, and it's when you own one store, it's, you have these cycles. If you have a, a tough sales week, boy, that you think the world is crashing down around you. Um, by the time we got to three stores, you could at least level out. So if one store was having a softer sales week, you weren't thinking that, you know, everything's imploding. And we always dream, we said, if we could get to five stores, wouldn't that be, I mean, that's just the summit. We, we've hit it. We did great. Um, and then things just kind of, we snowballed with some opportunity. I think we, um, after our third store, we had, uh, that's when Moe's kind of knocked on our door and said, hey, would you be interested? And uh, we have these markets in Hickory and Mooresville where your, your Five Guys locations are. And we said, gosh, it would be kind of nice to maybe divest um, into a different brand just to have some risk um, spreading a little bit. Um, and then so we did. We, we launched into that Moe's, opened our location in Mooresville, and then we acquired a, a three stores up in the Tennessee area, um, which was great. And then just through organic growth, built a few other stores. And before you know it, uh, we ended up at this doing some strategic planning brought our leadership team as we started to get our admin and leadership staff growing, growing, and they and said, hey, we need to get some input from our team. What are they looking for? Um, do they want to grow? What, what, are they, what is it that they want? What opportunity? And they said, no, we, we want to grow. We're in. Let's, let's put some realistic goals together. Um, so we said, okay, we're going to get to 20 stores in five years. Well, that was in 2000. 19 we said that and <laughs> then we acquired 11 stores so actually we're at 22 stores now jared so uh which is awesome i mean we're just wow. it's, it's been amazing because we have two under construction here so and this may be the most important question of the day so if you're ready for it how Hit often me. do you taste the food and how important is that <laughs> yeah really important and i while i limit myself whenever i go into a store i always have to try the fries every time i mean you just have to and i just always have to say just give me a little 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 because I, I have no self-control and i will eat you know my whole bag so but always try the fries always, always. i know tim's a big i mean i'm a big fan of five guys tim's a big Love me some fries five guys. Yeah. yeah fries yeah. from five guys yeah that's true um so with 22 stores now you know that means more employees, more team members in an environment where, you know, we're all hearing about the great, you know, resignation. How has that been for you guys to be able to not only acquire new talent, but be able to keep talent on, on board as well? Yeah. Ultra challenging as we've heard from absolutely everybody over the last year. Right. Um, so we've been, uh, obviously wage creep has been a big thing. We, we've, uh, we've seen our wages for our, our, team members rise at 35 to 40% over this last year. I mean, that, and that's a big hit to us, but we had to do it. The market was calling for it, especially in certain markets where it's very, very seasonal and, and challenging. Um, we've had to uh, increase our base starting wage rates for, for crew. And then also yet right. The whole, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So the, the rest of our team members are also looking for that increase in salary. Um, we've tried some other unique things with, um, you know, uh, referral bonuses to get people to come into the stores, which, you know, our best employees are those that are friends of our good employees that we have currently. So we've been successful there. Um, 
Retention pieces also, like this year, we've increased our, our um, company portion of um, medical benefits so that we're paying 80% of that for our employees, which is a big uh, hit to the company, but we hope is a, a nice retention piece because, again, our, our, our hope is that our teams will be able to take advantage of that. Um, increasing our paid time off for our crew members. A lot of these things are, um, it doesn't seem like there's a, a tangible cost, but there is that indirect cost because we, we know that people need to have that, that time off, which is not typical in the restaurant world. Um, a lot of restaurants don't give paid time off to your full-time crew, and that's one of the things that we've added this year too. So we're hoping that will attract and retain our people that we have. You really have a transformation going on across the industry. Oh, and, for sure. and for you with your mindset, is this where does this go? Or is it a, a wait-and-see scenario where you do the best? Like you just said, the market called for certain things, and you've got to bring everything up together. You know, where does this go? Yeah, good question. And I, you know, we, we foresee this um, labor crunch happening at least through next year and maybe even longer. And it's really changed how we hire people. Um, we have to focus on what do we do for, um, you know, our traction and recruitment piece. We've had to model that and change with technology there to be ultra quick because if you don't respond to a, an applicant, within an hour or two, you've lost them to somebody else. Hmm. So, you know, we have our, our apps with, with text-based and bot-based texting so we can engage with someone immediately to try to get them set up. They can schedule their own interviews, and we hope they show, fingers crossed. Hmm. So, what, what do you think has led to this crunch, you know, that, that you may see another year or two? What, what do you think it is? You know, I think it was, um, you know, obviously – COVID had a big impact, and, and but it, we were struggling a little bit prior to that, but not clearly. COVID has just culminated a, a huge hit, and um, I don't know how many people still have this fear of workspace or, or, or not. Um, I think in our industry, because we found we, we kept marching through the whole thing. I mean, there was no shutdown in the restaurant space. We were considered you know, a critical, vital business. And we, we kept on and our employees masked up. They made it happen. And it, it's just, they didn't look back or turn back. And that's, that's a hard thing. When you're standing over a 350-degree fryer, you're masked. It's tough to, it's hard. It makes your job so much harder. And they're still masked today. So, um, yeah, I wish nothing better than that we could say, gosh, blink, and tomorrow this, this crisis was over. But we just foresee that we'll have to continue to provide a, a better workplace for those that are choosing to come to work. And I think it's just, unfortunately, we have this fraction of people that have made a choice not to want to work. And, and it's not just our industry. I mean, it's, it's, hospitality has been hit very, very hard, but it's in high-paying professional positions as well. So the, the great thing for us is that our store leadership has been very stable. And I think a lot of it is because of our culture that we have within our franchise organization, um, the leaders that are overseeing those stores, the um, attitudes, the resiliency of those people. It's just, uh, it's been amazing. And we're so thankful and grateful for that staff that make it go on a, a daily basis. Outside of leadership, which you, you just said was has, has been stable, which mm -hmm. is a, a key thing in any business, compare the turnover that you were dealing with pre-pandemic to now. How much has that jumped? How much has it, does it vary at the moment? Yeah, so this is kind of a crazy thing. So in the restaurant industry, you always use this benchmark, which has been out there, that it, it 
pre-COVID, 100% turnover in the restaurant world was very normal and standard. And we like to pride ourselves that we were better than that. Um, and we were. We were, you know, hovering probably in the, well, maybe 90%, 85% turnover. COVID now, this past year, we're at 180% in our restaurants. It means we're churning over. And, our, and if you think about that, our leadership has been very stable, but it's the crew that's churning. So in some cases, you know, our leadership has been there. They're staying, but the crew is actually churning 300%. So you, you have people that will work for you for 30 days and disappear. Um, it's just, it's been this crazy phenomenon. So our goal this year is that we're, we're working on what can we do to retain these people um, to keep them because clearly it's expensive. It, it, it costs your customer service. It's stressful on absolutely everybody to have that kind of churn. So yeah, that, that's an enormous goal for us this year to, to get that number down to a more reasonable number because I think any, anywhere else in the professional industry, if you said, oh my gosh, 100% turnover, that, yeah. that you'd say there's no way we could function that way. Right. Just consistency in anything. So you're always training someone new constantly. That's what I was going to say. I imagine the training is just never stopping. Never stops. So do you guys use one central person that goes around to the stores and trains or is it always the leadership within that store that's training? Yeah, leadership within the store that's training and also we've um, implemented too, we have a, a new position, they're crew trainers that we've put in our stores that they're really, they're experts in certain areas that can just take over because it's it's a lot to put on the leadership to also be that training constantly. So we've had to delegate that and that's been a great, um, I think a, a great tactic that we've used that's been really successful over the year. I'd love for you, Chris, to hit on it again. Some of the incentives you use to try to get people to stay longer, because I know it varies across the board. You just alluded to some people stay 30 days and they're, they're out. So you've got all these different timelines. How do you, I guess, maybe empower leadership to put these or, or run these incentives to, to keep people functioning? Yeah. And I think that's been um, something that's really unique with five guys. We have a, a group of franchisees that we can share these ideas. Um, and we do that openly to say, hey, guy, you know, you learn from someone on the West Coast and, you know, brainstorm and, and steal their ideas and, and try to put those in place. Um, and our team, all of our leadership has been, our general managers have been given a lot of freedom to be able to utilize those things like referral bonuses and make sure that they, and they, we give them feedback. Is this sticking? Is it working? Um, and again, that is, it, it's a, a big deal. And we learned that from, uh, you know, some folks on the West coast that said, yep, we found we had to raise our, our referral bonuses. So it's $300 a piece. So it's, it's for the referring person and the referred person back in the day that used to be a hundred bucks. Now it's 300 a piece. So it, it's a, that's a big deal. Um, and we found that to be super successful. Um, you know, other things we found that sometimes we've thrown so many things out there, we forget we have them. And it, you, mm -hmm. there's just, you have this long menu list and things like things that we do for, well, it's always been free employee meals, but that's kind of gotten lost in the, the, the wayside because we've added other things. I mean, for us in our stores, we have corporate chaplains that we bring into the stores, um, which for us has been just a huge weight off our shoulders that we have a professional that's in there that can just help people through stressful issues like COVID, um, maybe people who are dealing with health issues, relationship issues, just depression, you name it. It's just these chaplains are there to assist and that's been a, an enormous benefit. Um, we have caring teams in place that we have in our stores that again, 
it's our caring culture of we take care of the person that's there, not the employee that's there. And I think that has been um, for the retention piece. Once people get in and ingrained and they understand and can see what's going on and the impact that that makes, they say, gosh, we really we, we care for this person that I'm working side by side with. We can help them. They're struggling making their car payment or paying their heating bill. Then we can assist with that. Or maybe they need to move this weekend and they don't have a truck and we can loan them a truck and help them carry stuff down the stairs. So that's been a big deal. That's awesome. Um, so as a business owner, I'm hearing the numbers that you're saying. So cost of labor have gone up 35 to 40%. Um, obviously there's inflation going on. So I'm guessing your cost of goods has gone up as well. Yeah. Where's the profit gone? How has that played out with you guys and in, in where you're at? Yeah, it gets tight. So yeah. right now, as we looked at it, I said, geez, our, our, you know, for example, beef, we've gone up 25% this year. And we're expecting come January 1, I, I mean, part of the blessing of being with five guys is that they, they do these corporate buys. So I'm not going out and making these, these purchases or um, negotiating contracts. That all happens at a corporate level, which is a huge help for us. However, they've prepared us to know that come January 1, we're going to be taking a bigger hit on things like beef, bacon, and peanut oil. And those are our big, big hitters. And uh, so, yeah, we have to brace ourselves that we're, we're trying to become more efficient and making sure that we are not, you know, our waste is not an issue, um, that we can watch our labor and uh, that we're, we're never over, uh, over in an overstaffed position, which <laughs> that has not been a problem for the last 18 <laughs> months because usually we're running short shifted. Sure. But it does put big pressure to understand. And what you're seeing is you have to take menu pricing. You, you have no choice. Right. Because for us, our, our two biggest variables are labor and cost of goods and everybody has seen that that has just escalated sure so they understand your customer base is obviously like this is naturally going to happen everyone else is going up we're going to all go up together yeah but nobody likes it of course we don't i mean we've all seen it in the grocery store your same cart of groceries the things that you you know buy every week whether it's milk eggs bread and etc everyone's feeling it you know and we've seen that creep and all of a sudden when you pay attention to what the the receipt actually says at the bottom after you stick your card in there, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right. wow. It's it's a real thing. It's unfortunate, but it's real. So Last one I have for you before we hit a couple uh, rapid fire questions for you on, on more of the personal side. Uh, this one back directed at the business, you know, with all these challenges that you're going through and all the, all the items that you've talked about and you're in sort of a whirlwind from top to bottom, is there any doubt in your mind that this is going to make this company and all your franchises more resilient and that they're going to maybe better the restaurant business as a whole going through this process, the ones that can sustain? I think so. I, yeah. I, I Yes, is the, the short answer to that one. And we found that um, with five guys, I, it was when COVID hit on that March, mid-March, um, that was such a challenge. And our, our sales immediately, we went, we dropped uh, 35% like a rock. And uh, as business owners, Jeff and I were sitting there saying, okay, been a great ride. This is it. I, you know, here's the keys to the house. We're, we're, you know, envisioning all these things because as a business, you sign over everything. The bank would own everything and this could be the end of it. Well, you know, six to eight weeks later, we started to see an upturn and people were feeling a little more, uh, I think, cautiously 
able to go out and do things like pick up their takeout food and then delivery. And we were already set up with third-party delivery, thankfully. So, um, And Five Guys is a to-go brand, basically, because we serve everything in a brown paper bag and have done that since its inception in 1986. So it just translated wonderfully to be able to accommodate people um, in this world. So we... I think we've learned a lot of things. We had to pivot and make some, which is, you know, the word of 2021, <laughs> right? We hate that word. But to be able to do curbside for a while, which is not in our wheelhouse, and we figured out how to do that. We stumbled over it but made it happen for people because we had to and we needed to um, and just had to modify a whole lot of things to make that business work. And, again, our it was our team at the store level that did it, which was incredible and, and a, a whole lot of stress to add that extra workload when you're short staffed. It's just oh, so hard. I mean, geez, you, I, you know, you empathize with everybody because well, we were doing it all day, every day at every location. But I think those permanent changes where delivery as a percentage of our sta- sales is still, we have many stores that are running 25 to 30% delivery. Even still today, where pre-COVID, maybe it was 15%. So some of those habits now have adjusted for people. I don't know how permanent that is, but it is something that we have to, you know, consider when we're doing those business plans. And like we said, our budgeting and everything else. So because delivery is not free. Let's just say that. <laughs> but I just commend, I mean, we totally understand as business owners sitting at the table. But when you look in general, if you don't adapt at any point to change regardless you put yourself in a tough spot. We've gone through this incredible disruption of everything we knew from a business standpoint. But again, commend you to just be open to be, hey, we, we're going to decide that we want to survive. And so we have to change. And, and we don't have a lot of time to think it over. But if something is needed, we've got to go and do it. And, and that's, that's impressive. That's part of the resiliency where you, you battle something tough, but you're still standing and then you move forward. Yeah. Was was there a moment during that year and a half, this past year and a half, that you were like, why didn't we stay with three stores? <laughs> you know, honestly, no. Um, I, I think it was just the growth. It's such a, when you sit back and you reflect and you say the growth in our leadership and what happened during that period of time was unbelievable and i think the um i think the human nature and the kindness like even the our our caring teams and the activities that um our caring team it was amazing just some of the things that they did either community-based or you know with our own five guys family employees that what they did is just um i think you reflect back and say no i mean it was it's definitely worth it we came out, we're a lot stronger for it. I think, again, like you said, just some of those changes and you understand the flexibility that we had, um, it just caused a lot of personal growth and professional growth for a lot of folks. The community outreach and the, the Six Feet Apart series. You know, yeah. you were, you're getting out there delivering meals yeah. uh, to people, whether it was Lowe's or the hospital, other, yeah, other yeah. local components that were, that were hard at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an honor to be able to do that. It was a whole lot of fun. All right, so we're going to move to the fun part, the rapid-fire questions. Okay, go. uh, These are some fun ones. But, you know, during the pandemic, what's one key thing that you learned about yourself that you weren't aware of before? Um, I think, you know, that that you find your pressure points and that you say, you know, how much can you handle and then – how that you have to rely on other people around you as well and it's not just on your shoulders and that you're able to share the the stress and pressure with others around you 
Um, and it's not just, you don't have to solve the problem on your own and you won't, if you try to do it, you're not going to come up with the best solution. You have to rely on the help of others. Second one is with the whole whirlwind around you and your daily job, what mm -hmm. keeps you motivated every morning to go out there and keep forging ahead? You know, I think it's just, uh, I think you, um, I get excited about the opportunity that we've created for others. I, I, like we said, why, why grow? I mean, our, our goal is, and our, like we mentioned before, our team decided, Hey, our, our goal that we want to be is at 50 stores in 10 years. And why do we want to do that? Because you know, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and you say, well, but what that work does is it creates opportunity for promotion and elevation for those folks that are staying with us. So it's just, as you, I look back and I say, oh my gosh, how many people started with us as a crew member and are now a general manager in a store that is such success. And I, and it's, and it's a career for them now that maybe they didn't plan on and they're in it and exceeding in, uh, expectations beyond what I ever thought and what they ever thought. And that's why you do it. That's why we do it. Leave us with a fun fact that most people wouldn't know about you that you enjoy. Uh, fun fact. So I would say, I, you probably hear in my accent, which I don't think I have one, but people tell me I do. It's but there. We're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> so we're from Michigan. And um, so we, have, we bought a place up in northern Michigan on a tiny little place called Mackinac Island, which is the nicest slice of heaven ever. And it's a great escape. So... That's our favorite place to be and uh, love to spend some time up there. Let's just say in the summer. It's definitely my summer place, not so much my winter place. So <laughs> Can you even get it. there in the winter? <laughs> yeah, you can. It's a little challenging, but yes, you can. It's, yeah. You have to get the snow, snowmobiles ripped <laughs> up. That's yeah, right. yeah, clear when, a, clear when a the, path. Yeah, when the lake freezes over, you can snowmobile over. So. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. And we want to remind you, you can find out more about us by heading to spiraclebuzz.com or by visiting us on all the major social media platforms. For Chris Steiner and Tim Bear, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.